0: We'll mm-hmm.
1: episode of the future barn podcast as a reminder this is a podcast where I talk to people I know um often in and around uh Elwood Indiana a small town where I'm from and where I live and we just talk about what it means to be alive and to keep being alive and making choices and doing things and having pitfalls and rising back up and all that good stuff um and yeah, I think today's episode is a really good example of that. Uh, I talked to my uh, dear friend Hannah Margolin, um, who is a, who is finishing her training as a ther- therapist, but who's also someone who spent has spent a lifetime um, as, as a patient, as a client herself in therapy, um, and dealing with both um, some psychological uh, struggles and um, a chronic illness, which we'll talk about. And so, so I love talking to Hannah for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is because she can, she's so good at uh, playing both sides of it, both as the uh, as the helper, but then also as uh, the one that can share her experience um, as someone who has needed help and has has had to lean on folks and had to find resources and that kind of stuff. So it's a great conversation that way. We also talk about poetry um as something that has brought us together and continues to bring us together. Um yeah, and so it's just a great uh conversation. We recorded it in St. Louis. Uh Hannah lives in Kansas City and I live in Elwood, Indiana. And so we've been uh online pals for a while now and felt it was time to meet and have a conversation in person, which is a perfect time to do this podcast. Um there's a little glitch in the middle where we have to take a break because uh my dog Jenny Bug, who's with us uh hears someone outside of uh the place we're renting and starts barking and so we take a quick break for that. So that's what that is. Um but I think otherwise the conversation is really smooth and really um a good representation of the friendship and relationship I'm building with um Hannah and also just possibilities of connecting via mutual interest so i hope it's useful uh, as a conversation about mental health i hope it's useful as um a joy fest about poetry and about the art that we like and yeah i hope you enjoy it thanks for listening bye thing I was thinking about, Mm -hmm. um, we decided we're going with Hannah Margolin.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. Hannah Margolin, sure.
1: Hannah Margolin, my friend, my dear friend, special person um, that I've gotten to know over the last couple months, right? Yeah. So I was thinking about this when I was preparing for this conversation, Mm -hmm. and it was, um, you know, when people ask me, like, how did I... How did I meet you? I've just been saying, well, we met on Instagram. And then I started kind of, uh, like, what do you call it when you change things in the past? Like, I started, Mm -hmm. like, rewriting the story. Mm -hmm. Like, and kind of, I noticed I was, like, trying to make, because I don't actually remember. I remember, Mm -hmm. like... Yeah. We're, and then we... It was just something right, like I you don't know sent me. I
2: found you or like... Yeah,
1: Do you you don't remember that either.
2: No, I don't. I, I mean, I remember like I'm sure. I had some Remember to seeing you, and I remember like I remember following you, like and then I remember and seeing your posts, and then I remember sending you like the first message. But I don't remember how I came across your profile in the first place. I assume it was me.
1: You but... assume it was yeah. That's but what. I did not know. I don't, I I don't know. remember. I just think those origin stories are fascinating. Yeah. And like especially like, and. And the way people know each other, the way we do, and then, uh, like meeting, yeah, meeting on the internet, and
0: yeah, I don't remember. It's it. just because
1: where in person you usually like, oh yeah, I remember I met them at Dan- right. Danny's they were house. They my friend's, friends' I met her at Danny's house, or like mm-hmm. I like something like that. But it doesn't really, it doesn't hold that same right, like the visceral ring is like. <laughs> it's not yeah, it's not like palpable in the same way. Yeah. It's just and then I know, but I, I do remember the first like. Non like post interaction was like you sent me a DM show like about a um, Maria Bamford right thing because yes. I've posted about Maria's work and yeah so you want to she was doing like a show and you've seen some of the you watched at least one two. yeah
2: I've seen two of her like virtual shows since the pandemic started yeah. and I've actually seen her in person in LA
1: you did see her yeah, yeah yeah you I saw her in Indianapolis cool like a month before the pandemic started
2: that's amazing
1: uh and it was actually she was doing her weakness as the brand, which yeah. was her newest album she she had already released it, but it was like one of those things where she was still like doing it on the road because enough mm. people hadn't listened to it yeah yeah and then she was also like sprinkling in new material that um, she's trying to generate that heard that uh it was kind of cool because I had already listened to it because mm. I'm just like a like a you know me I'm a fan fanboy yeah. on like so many things mm-hmm. and so um. So, yeah, and so I listened. So it was really fun to hear it. I wasn't actually disappointed. I was actually like, it was really fun to hear it, like, in the flesh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, especially because just listening to comedy albums are so different. Right, than seeing the person
2: yeah. perform. Yeah. For so,
1: sure. but how, so how, kind of along that same line, how has the, was that experience of watching, like, an online show?
2: Um. Yeah, the first time, the first time I really liked it, like, you know, it was a, It was a nice little, like, fun thing for myself to do in the midst of, like, being fairly isolated and the sort of bleakness of pandemic life. And then it was like, Maria Bamford has a show and you don't have to leave your house. (laughs) Yes. So that was nice. Um, And there was, like, you know, an an opener, like a comic opening for her. Um, Was it
1: Jackie Cation? Yeah. Yeah, she opens for, like, most of the time.
2: Right, it seems like that. But I never... Yeah. I'd never seen her before. So that and was she's pretty nice. good. Yeah. Yeah. She seemed like a, an enjoyable person, especially. She's
1: one of those. She's really interesting because mm-hmm. there, there's like this in every scene, right? Poetry, mm-hmm. uh, comedy, what, music. There's always that person who is like famous enough, like well known enough, where like she can open for Maria and, and good right. enough. Well, I guess what I'm saying is she's like good enough where she can open for Maria, and she's very seasoned, and she's always going to do a good job. But she's not quite famous enough yeah. to be like her I own headliner that. or even a middler. And like, yeah. um, and I just, yeah, it's those people, it's kind of sad, but it's also kind of great because a yeah. lot of times those people have like the, the, like the most un, or the purest like artistic.
2: Right, right. Like
1: vibes, right?
2: Right. And I feel like oftentimes people on that level don't have like a lot of some of the burdens that come with like being more famous. Yeah. So if they can like. Accept that they're at that stage and be happy with it. They can do really well. I feel.
1: Yeah, like. yeah, and uh, you know, opening for Mir Bamford 100 nights a year isn't a terrible yeah, gig. I yeah. would imagine she. I know she treats. Yeah, they people seem well. like
2: they're really good friends. Even. Yeah, yeah. Like on the virtual shows, they were like having cute little banter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's enjoyable, but
1: I, I haven't done any. I haven't done any of the, um, any of like the COVID little like. Virtual shows. I haven't really done that. Mm. Um, I guess, I guess I did watch one, but I think I watched it after the fact uh, when Sturgill Simpson played his bluegrass album at Ry- the Ryman. Okay. But he, it was the empty Ryman Auditorium, like oh, historic yeah, Ryman, and just him and just his band okay. playing his the bluegrass album. Wow. Yeah, it was really cool. That's um, awesome. But yeah, so we've been talking about uh, about. The thing we came up with today was really interesting. We were like, we started our lives really far apart, both mm-hmm. literally and um, like figuratively or thematically, right? Yeah. We started really far apart, but we've kind of had this interesting trajectory that's brought us together. And that's why I wanted to have you on here, right? To talk about mental health mm-hmm. and poetry and all those things that we have in common. Yeah. Uh, but I just wanted to kind of start like, you know, how would you describe your parents? because I just think about like the way that's like the where we both start really differently (laughs) yeah yeah.
2: Yeah, I I think of my parents as like hippie intellectuals or my dad is an intellectual and my mom is a hippie and they're both health food freaks I wasn't you know I wasn't allowed to watch tv as a kid we had no Junk food or even like What did you normal say you had food? as a
1: side, like steamed chard or something? <laughs> yeah, was and like what meal. you had every meal. Steamed chard
2: like, was a normal. <laughs> I,
1: o- I still only vaguely know what chard is. <laughs> <laughs> right, right.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was like, yeah, my dad would always cook and cook very weird vegetarian things. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, and so, but s- somehow, and then, you know, of course, Folks will send this know mostly know my story, but like, you know, truck driver, dad, school teacher, mom in a small town in the Midwest. Yeah. Um, But, but our interest, it's so interesting because our interest, we like a lot, like I'll tell you like what I think is like some crazy theory on life. Mm. And you're like, no, I think that like, you know, or like you'll say something that like totally clicks um, or like it's interesting lately because you speak a lot like from theory Mm. And I'm I'm learning a lot about like meditation, and mm-hmm. we're saying the same thing, but yeah. we're saying them from two different perspectives. I, know,
2: I noticed that too. That's very.
1: Um, cool. And it, it just gives me a lot of, you know, this podcast too is about like how do we relate to other people, mm-hmm. and how do we care about other people's stories. And mm-hmm. I think it's just a really interesting way to think. Of like two people who started so, yeah, differently, yeah, have still at the core because right. of. Brain chemistry and because of mm-hmm. life experience and has mm-hmm. something has, um, brought those thinking patterns together yeah, in that exactly. way in parallel manners. Yeah. And
0: even
2: if there's like a slightly different like language for it, like counseling theories versus like mindfulness. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, it's the same kind of core message. Yeah. It's very, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting.
1: Yeah. And I noticed this, I think I'm just discovering it. I think it's existed for a long time. But uh, this way, people are really interested in like mindfulness through like a neuroscience lens and mm. mindfulness through a psychology lens, mm-hmm. and like we're finally like meeting the like Western intellectualism mm. meeting yeah. like Eastern thought. Yeah, yeah. And though we and I think it's doing what you're talking about too is like breaking open the it's widening. We've talked. We keep using the or I keep using the term with you like widening our standards Mm -hmm. and so it's like being more all-encompassing yeah um and yeah and that's something i admire about you too is this is that you um are open to that you're open to uh chit-chatting with a hick off of instagram you know you're you're open to i think one of the one of my most fascinating details i've learned about you is that uh you've lived You were born in the southwest, you've lived on the west coast, you lived on the east coast, and now you live in the midwest. Yeah. And I think that's really... I mean, obviously, obviously before anyone gets on me, obviously there are other parts of the country, (laughs) but those are four really distinct parts of the country. Yeah, very different. Um, Yeah, and I was just curious about looking, you know, what's that, like a 20, almost a 20-year journey between, like, when you left the southwest and then you went to... Uh, was it what was the school called? Welles- Wellesley. Wellesley. Yeah,
2: right outside Boston. I'm outside
1: of Boston, and then you lived in LA, and now you live in Kansas City. I hope you don't yeah. mind me telling all this information. No, you're good. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'll give them your address too if you'd like. <laughs> sure. Um, but what have you noticed about just like yourself as you as you moved through those different space, like mm-hmm. geographical locations? You know, because mm-hmm. I've only lived in like Indiana and and Texas, and I have a strong tie to North Carolina. Um, but, like, I just think it's so, yeah, that, like, you've lived, literally have lived on the points of the...
2: Yeah, yeah, I think, um, like, being in, in each place, sort of, and, and, yeah, and moving from one place to another made me aware of, um, biases that I, that I came with in each place. Um, yeah, and especially, like, you know, each coast, and then the Midwest, like, And coming from, you know, my homeland, which is is the Southwest, like, I feel like each of these places, I, when I started out in them, I had sort of a set of expectations of like, what people are like, what life is like. And then when I would go to the next place, I'd also have a set of ideas of what that place is like, what those people are like, and inevitably would be mostly wrong. Um,
1: Yeah. And you had to confront it like, he- like heavy, like yeah, yeah. had shock,
2: yeah. Yeah, and like looking at my own, um, yeah, my own biases like that, and and being able to sort of shed them. I hope that I've done that. I've tried to do yeah. that in each place and kind of see like what's what's common about people and yeah, um, and and also just things that are like unique about those places that don't fit the sort of stereotyped view of them. Uh huh. Um, like when I tell people I lived in LA, a lot of people are like, "Oh, like you know, it's, oh, it's all Hollywood or it's all about money or it's all about traffic." Like yeah. these are the things they think of, but that's not what I think of when I, you know, think of what I loved about it. Sure. Um, and like moving to the Midwest, I had this bias of like, you know, flyover country and like all this, no. all these obnoxious. I hate that term. Yeah, so I know. Much. <laughs> um, but yeah, now I live here and now I like love the people and see just sort of inside of of the reality of that instead of, like, the external.
1: Well, and I think one of the, the, I think one way we're similar is that I think we're both really fascinated with and obsessed with language. Mm -hmm. Like, that's why I try to teach people, you know, Matthew Zapruder in his book Why Poetry, you know, kind of throws out the idea that, like, everyone inherently is an expert in language because we use it Mm -hmm. so much, Mm -hmm. and we have been using it since we were, what one and a half two years you know mm-hmm. we all know language and we know different styles and we know different ways to apply it but we can still we are all experts in language and like mm-hmm. uh and I think that for me I admire that in you and that kind of ability to share both as a thing like to listen mm-hmm. to people share but also to you're have, you're a great sharer as well so well, I just thank you. yeah yeah um, and that's kind of what I ha- I wanted to have you on to kind of talk about those different parts of our mutual interests. Um, yeah. and, ha- and I think how they all kind of relate to language. Yeah. yeah you know, like, yeah. um,
2: I like that you relate it back to that.
1: Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite word?
2: Oh, wow. Um, I don't think I have one favorite word. Do you?
1: I think kerplunk is a really funny word. <laughs> Okay. Onomatopoeias in general are funny. Sure. Um, but the spelling of kerplunk is, mm. is uh, I wouldn't have guessed K E R. Like that's a, that's right. a weird like there aren't very many words that are spelled K E R P. <laughs> you know like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's delightful. Like, it's a strange word. Yeah. Um,
2: I'm gonna have to think about. You this think about yet. it. I will. I'm just throwing things at you. Yeah. Good. Um,
1: well, I wonder too if. Did you learn anything um, from what? Like, did was anything illuminated about your homeland, about the Southwest, mm. by leaving it? So, like, mm. Pete Buttigieg, he said, like, he didn't know he was Midwestern until he left the Midwest. Yeah, and like, I didn't really realize I was a hick until I was yeah. in, when I went moved to a city, right? I moved mm. to like a liberal city. Um, yeah, and they're like, "Whoa, who's it?" And I was like, "Back home, I'm like the right. I'm like the sissy boy," and mm. like you know like i don't mean that in a, any bad way but like but then when i moved to this more liberal city everyone's looking at me like i'm yeah. Larry the cable guy and like mm-hmm. um it's just yeah it's interesting so was there anything that you learned when once you moved away about yeah. maybe about yourself but also about like your like anything that was more illuminating
2: yeah um when i when i was at wellesley i uh-huh. my i was in like a a Shakespearean theater troupe. Yeah, it was a, it was an all all women's, all women's college, so we played the men's roles yeah. too. Yeah, um, sort of the like reverse of the um, traditional thing. Um, yes, and all of like my my friends and the other like women that I um, was in the theater troupe with thought that I had an accent. Um, so that was strange oh. for me because I'd never like thought that I had an accent. I never what been is told a Southwest accent? Right, I don't know. But they all, they said that I um, pinched my vowels, like would pronounce like the word um, P-E-N and P-I-N the same way. Like I say them the same way, a pen and a pen.
1: Oh, I think it's Instead so interesting. Instead pen. Yeah. Yeah. Because I say pen and pen, right? <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like it's that. But it, so I think I'm like maybe I'm unpinching the vowels. Right. Like like That's I think I'm doing the, it, but yeah. I think I'm doing the opposite, but it's yeah. still leading to the same result. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that
2: was like it was like a negative thing for them. Like when I was acting in the plays they were like you need to work on your weirdo accent. Uh-huh.
1: Interesting. So that was interesting. Yeah. Did you did you uh, purposely do that? Did you purposely work on that?
2: I I did try to. Cuz yeah. I
1: cuz one of the things when we started talking on the phone I realized was like how much you enunciate Mm. you're very clear in Mm. your enunciation enunciation unlike me and Mm. you're uh yeah and there's a kind of a sing-songy-ness to your cadence sure um i
2: think that's just my natural way i I didn't know if like
1: you were like like teaching yourself to because i've had i've tried to teach myself to speak differently not in a not like you know i gotta get rid of my accent but like in a just in a more fun way because mm. yeah. I talk a lot and so it's yeah. got to be interesting or <laughs> I'm just wasting everyone's time mm. you know
2: <laughs> you've taught yourself to speak in a more interesting way what do you mean
1: um like all I think what I mean is I opened it up more I, like I'm letting poetic thought and my dad's hick, it, my dad's like southerness and uh, my mom's like passion and mm. um you know maybe more mindful all that Kind of go together. Mm-hmm. So it creates this weird Frankenstein. Like mm-hmm. you've mentioned it sometimes. Like I've never. You said to me the other day. Like I've never talked to someone who speaks like you do. Mm-hmm. And so I think that part of that was intentional. To create like mm-hmm. to to feel um, confident. Because I wasn't. Now this is all turning into about me. <laughs> I apologize. I don't
2: mind. Oh, well I know <laughs>
1: you don't mind. Um, but. So I had really bad speech as a kid. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've actually talked about this on here. But. Um, what, yeah, I was in speech until fifth grade. Mm, Wow. Every, like, three days a week to fifth grade from the age of three. Mm. Because, like, when I was was a little kid, it was just, like, garble. And they think it was one, I had some ear problems, Mm. and then the dad with this thick southern accent, and the mom with the more passion, lilting voice, Mm. uh, passionate voice, uh all that kind of combined in this weird brain that I already had to to create this kind of strange way of talking mm-hmm. and so I didn't ever want to be like that I didn't want to mm-hmm. be the one that like people couldn't understand sure. or, but I also knew that there was some but people were also interested in the way I talked because it was like strange yeah. so I'm like, how can I both be coherent
2: but use that
1: and interesting yeah um That's awesome. so i because did, I didn't want to get rid of all. That, all that you know. Yeah,
0: that's great that you Not, found a way. And to of
1: course, this part. is in retrospect. Sure. So I wasn't like I was in fourth grade being like I'm going to become a more <laughs> right. interesting speaker. Um, so, but.
0: No, oh, it's really
2: cool though.
1: Yeah. Anything? Anything else about like just reflecting back on being from?
2: Yeah. The um,
1: the Southwest that.
2: I. I think I like when I was growing up there. I mean, there was definitely some of that sort of like, you know, there's nothing to do here. Like, I can't wait to be, you know, get away from yeah. this place. Yeah. Because like, you literally live, live in the
0: desert.
1: Yeah. Like, <laughs>
2: right. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Albuquerque isn't like a tiny town, but it's not big. And I was like, by the time I was a teenager, I was like done with it. So I was like, this place is so lame. But, um, but there, but I didn't think it was like, like, I still thought it was like a regular, like, decent place. And I remember. And like going and, you know, being in college outside Boston, like a lot of the people just thinking that like, that like, not knowing that like, like being, being um, weirded out that I spoke English, like not understand, like, or that I'd ever seen snow, like oh, having yeah, these yeah. strange ideas about yeah. what, um, what the area would be like. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah. Realize, I mean that, so that was weird. I also realized yeah. I was like poorer than I thought I was. <laughs> like I didn't think I was poor growing up, but yeah but I think I was a little bit, so...
1: Oh, that's interesting.
2: Yeah, just kind of, like, being around other people, seeing their different contexts.
1: Yeah, <laughs> right? Because when you live in, like... You usually live in, like, a neighborhood.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: and so everyone in that neighborhood looks... Right, it like, blends often in. They, often neighborhoods blend in, often they are similar socioeconomic, mm-hmm. and, then, and then often that's even, like, spread out to the city, right? Your yeah. city is a certain way... Um, yeah i I was in an interesting situation because because the cost of living in Elwood, Indiana is mm. so low, so yeah. my parents who were like anywhere else would be like lower middle class probably but mm. they' are definitely working class right yeah. so maybe middle class or were like comfortably middle class mm. because of where they lived mm. yeah, you know what interesting. I mean yeah um and I think that versus like in certain cities mm. You you know if you took your parents' income and put them in a small town in the Midwest, they would probably live like kings, right? Like (laughs) you know, like it's a it's a it's interesting how place really does that, and it's not until we leave that we can kind of see that.
0: Yeah,
1: pressure. Yeah. Oh, and another thing I was thinking about what you told me when you said that. um, Oh, about the your lack of familiarity with bodies of water.
2: Well, yeah. Because of There's where all you live. There's kinds lived. of weird things like just, that I don't know about. Yeah, because I
1: don't even <laughs> think about Because you literally live in And trees. The, like, tree,
2: yeah. like, no trees. <laughs> yeah. There's no trees. There's yeah, no today, rivers or Today, ponds. we were walking around,
1: and you were like, oh. <laughs> like,
2: yeah, the trees are tree. beautiful.
1: <laughs> it was, uh, I was like, tree. yeah. It's weird that other <laughs> people
2: don't have that reaction.
1: I yeah, feel. well, <laughs> but it's, it's something we can do to remind each other, you and I, but also just people in general, like... Um, you know, like those differences are joyful. Yeah. Like you can you can bring something to like a lake, a pond mm-hmm. that I like maybe pass over. Right. you like, know or no like big deal. I mm-hmm. could go to the desert and be like, What right.
0: like right, right, right. you know, like
1: um <laughs> yeah. those kind of moments. Um or yeah, it just or like when I didn't know what cities were, like mm-hmm. someone was talking to me about Shake Shack Asked me if I wanted to go to Shake Shack, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll go dancing." I thought oh, it was a dance
2: club. How cute. <laughs> yeah.
1: It, like, That's what it's but anyway. I didn't know. I was like, Shake Shack, cool, let's go.
0: Right. I
1: was thinking Love Shack, and like, I don't, you know, oh. it's just how those, those kind of things go, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you're in a ther- you're finishing your therapy program. Like, yeah. Is it a, math- a master's mm-hmm. in therapy? It's a master's
2: degree in counseling and like mental health. Counseling,
1: yep. Masters in mental health counseling because mm-hmm. there's like a few different because I'm you know have looked into this as a possible career yeah. area as well and there seems to be a couple masters programs that allows you to do
0: yeah couple like kinds of masters work. degree
1: that social work mm-hmm. right I mean you know better than I if you want yeah, to say. I know.
2: Well, yeah. If if you, I mean, yeah. If if you get your degree in social work, um, you can essentially you can essentially get a lot of the same jobs. Like, yeah, people who have counseling degrees and social work degrees. Often, I mean, the jobs really overlap. The yeah. The training is. I mean, the training is very similar, but there's also a lot of differences in the training and like the philosophies. Yes,
1: and then there's also clinical psychology, right?
2: Right. Um, is, which is similar. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on what you mean, but I've um, just you're seen main-
1: some programs listed as. And it can set in, you know, underneath it'll say, what kind of jobs can this lead to? And it'll be like counseling, therapist, Mm. you know.
2: So, so when I hear clinical psychology, I think of like a a PhD program. Okay. But, um, yeah, which would just be like, you know, more school and then you could be like a psychologist. Yeah. But, but there, I mean, there may also be like master's programs that have like a slightly different title, like master's program in like maybe clinical psychology. Yeah. But it would be. Yeah, the same kind of lead to, it could lead to count, a counseling
1: Yeah, job. so what, what appealed to you about doing that? What was the moment where you were like, this is what I should do?
2: Oh, wow. Um, if you don't mind. No, I don't mind. It's just a kind of, it's a little hard to pinpoint. Um, I always, like, from the time I was, I don't know, like middle school, maybe like being a therapist was something I considered, which maybe sounds like kind of a weird thing for a kid. Had you, um, had
1: you, if you don't mind asking, had you gone to therapy? Yeah. I I had
2: been been to therapy, um, kind of off and on as a kid. And my dad is like super into therapy in a not very healthy way, I would argue. <laughs> um,
1: like he, lo- like he kind of loves it a little too. Like, like he, he's, or he depends on it.
2: Yeah, like yeah. he's seen the same, He saw the same therapist for 25 years until Whoa. she died.
1: Yeah,
2: like Whoa. that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and um, then she dies. That that could yeah. be a big.
2: Well, and then he. So then he saw another one, and I think he's seen her for like. 15 years and now she's retired, but she's came, came out of retirement just to see him. He's like, refuses to see someone new. Like it's it's a whole thing. Yeah,
1: so some dependency thing. Yeah, so. but
2: I mean, I was therapy was something that was like, you know, regular in my life and household, it was it was valued and it
1: was held it was held yeah. up as a worthy career.
2: Totally, yeah, yeah. and yeah. like just a worthy thing, good thing for people to yeah. have yeah. and do. Wasn't in like taboo or like right, whereas yeah. which it is weakness. for a lot of people, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, especially then,
1: in the Midwest where you're now working, yeah, <laughs> in the you know,
2: yeah, the, absolutely. Yeah. um And then I. Then I, um, when I went to college the first time, I wanted to be a like a clinical, like neuropsychologist was my plan. Um, but then I had to leave school after two years because I um, got a lot of health issues. Uh-huh. And um, then for a long time, I didn't think I'd be able to like have a, a real, a, certainly not a career, even a job. Yeah. Um, that was maybe like 15 years. And then um, I worked with some people with, um, Various, um, various developmental disabilities, and that was, like, incredibly rewarding work. Yeah. And I got on new medication that enabled me to go back to school, and so that's when I was, like, okay, what do I want to really do if I could actually do something? Yeah. And that was the thing that came to mind, and so.
1: So, yeah, so you had this opening of, like, both where interest and ability, capability finally matched. Yeah, yeah. Man, yeah, that must be a nice feeling. I can't wait for that. I can't <laughs> I mean, wait for that it feeling.
2: T- it took a long time. It does. And it, it was really, you know. For, and you've worked really hard. Well, and for most of the time, I didn't think it would happen. It's not yeah. like, like, I, I look at you and like, you are in this place where you're working towards it and doing all these things and like, that that's incredibly admirable and inspiring. And I feel like for me, I was in a place for a long time of not working towards it and not having hope and just feeling yeah. like. I'm just surviving. This is just what I'm, you know, yeah. I, this won't get better. Well,
1: and we'll talk more about your chronic illness in a little bit, but uh, the, my, for lack of a better term, chronic illness, my bipolar mm-hmm. disorder, like there are things to do like behavioral therapy-wise that can lead me that way versus like there's only so much you can do with like you have sure. uh, immunodeficiency, right? Like so that, there's only so much you can do. So, like work toward, you know, so sure. how would you, how would you define like your process of working once you did decide to work toward it? Mm. Um, what were things that kind of set you up to be ready? Um, you mentioned medication.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was like the really, like the launching point. Yeah. Um, and then that sort of helped me to feel better enough so I could do other things to take care of myself. Yeah. Um, you know, um, kind of like General, like, self-care. I, I mean, that term is so overused, but, like, um, just kind of, like, taking better care of myself on a daily basis, yeah. um, you know.
1: Yeah, so I think that, it's really interesting, the self-care idea that we... Yeah. It, it gets so boiled down to, like, Instagram posts and, like, yeah. pictures with like, make sure you I get eight hours of sleep. A, but it is funny how those are actual, th- Like like, especially, like, yeah. those should be things that are just... Normal,
2: yeah,
1: and we, we have we're right. ha, now because of the self-care. busyness of society and the kind of mess of society, mm-hmm. we have to say things like, make sure you get eight hours of right. sleep,
2: drink some water, get your water, <laughs>
1: exercise every day, yeah, like go for a walk, right. you know, check like, in
2: with your feelings, check like, in with talk your, to your feelings. friends, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like yeah, these are basic See things like, being like, like that, right? But Maintain. because
1: of you know in the in the recent like with COVID and stuff, but then also in the just in general with like just how busy, you know, we were in, yeah. we we're in St. Louis right now and we're driving around and I just had, have, I haven't really, besides Indianapolis, I haven't been to a city since I left Austin almost two years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, yeah. uh, I'm just like, this is, I, how do people live here? <laughs> like, it's so stressful. <laughs> like you can just feel it. And, yeah. um, so we really do need to take care of that. And that's something I admire about you too, is that you're, you're a therapist or a therapist in training in therapy. So you I hope you don't mind me saying but we no, talked about fine. you being in therapy. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder what well, one, why I think I think it's obvious but I think some mm-hmm. people would be like, Why is a therapist in therapy? <laughs> um so why are you in therapy? But also what if some things you've learned about being a therapist through being in therapy, you know what I mean? Yeah,
2: yeah. Um yeah, I think it's super important for future therapists to go to therapy. A lot of, or some master's programs, um, re- require that. of their Oh, students. interesting. Ours, mine does not, which yeah. I think is unfortunate, but, um, but yeah, I think it's really important. I mean, I think there's a, a couple of important things about it. One is just like it's, it's good to get a sense of what your clients are gonna feel like you know what does yeah. it feel like to meet a new therapist and try to open yourself up to yeah. them or tell them about your problems and what are some things that they do that you don't like and yeah you know that's helpful to to be in that position so that you know like more of what your clients might be experiencing totally. um, and also just like just kind of the, the reasons that it's helpful for anybody um, yeah. you know to help you help you look at your own issues, help you develop more, more coping skills and know yourself better, all of that can really go a long way towards being a better therapist, obviously. Yeah, because
1: um, yeah, to get to feel that pressure and that and that pressure of sharing and that and that anxiety of going. And, yeah. Because there is a real hesitation in our culture. We've talked about this a lot, about mm-hmm. people uh, who – because the way therapy is just, like, it's one thing. It's, like, I go into a room, right. and there's, like, a, there's like one of those little rock fountains with the <laughs> right. water, and there's some inspirational poster, right. and, you know, and there's a couch and a chair. Right. And they say, you can sit wherever you like, and it's, like, but I have two options. Yeah. And there's like, that's your chair, and that's the <laughs> right. therapist's chair, and that, like, sit right. wherever you like. It's, like, sit on whatever end of the couch you like. And, <laughs> and so I get people's hesitation. We've talked about it. Like, it makes sense. Yeah. Um... So what do you, uh, obviously I don't want you to speak about like actual experiences with, you know, sure. well obviously we're going to be confidential, but what are reasons that you've seen or from people you talk to that they are hesitant about mm. therapy and what are things that can help people, uh, open up more in therapy and like open up yeah. just to the idea of just going, Yeah. right? That's the hard part. Yeah. We talk about this a lot, actually, where we talk like the mountain over the mole, the mountain the molehill thing, like mm-hmm. where uh, we often as human beings make things seem so challenging, so uphill, and then we do it and it's, it's like it's just a deal. walk around the block, you right. know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. um, so, so it's kind of getting in that yeah. chair and getting, or sitting on that couch and. Opening up, and
2: my my supervisor talks about that. A supervisor is like like the person with an actual like um, counseling license yeah. who like oversees me yeah. right now as I'm as I'm working with clients and like finishing my degree. And she um she she talks about that a lot. That like by the time we like see a client for the first time, like they have done so much work just to get there, like just yes. to get themselves. To the point of, you know, deciding, okay, I should do this. And like, yeah. okay, I'm actually going to make a phone call, make an appointment, show up for the appointment. Like, yeah. that's incredibly difficult for most people. Yeah. Um, so I, I like that she emphasizes that. Um, do,
1: you, do you have a go-to question or scenario or moment to like uh, get in those first moments to get mm-hmm. people to open up or to get people to commit?
2: Yeah, it what is are tough. things um, that
1: you've... None that work or that people have used on you that work yeah, yeah
2: um so when when I'm the when I'm the counselor like i I don't have like a go-to like question or like thing sure. that I say i it's sort of more like a I just really try and this is something I really Hate about doing right now. I'm seeing clients like um, via telehealth, like on Zoom. And you're mostly
1: seeing children, right? I'm mostly
2: seeing children, which is another thing. But um, but yeah, something I really miss about seeing clients in in person is I really I try to really just like be like with them in the space, like like sort of quiet my own bullshit and um, you know be calm and comfortable as much as I can myself and like be with them and be open to them be like just sort of show them that I am like accepting non-judgmental like whatever they want to give me like I'm there for it yeah like whatever they need like I'm there to help them with like I sort of just tried to have that energy and like that kind of give them that
1: well we all Um, know that person is in our life that, like, people confess things to and people share, overshare with yeah. or people go to for advice yeah. because they're that kind of person where they, mm. without even doing much, mostly, they open, they, they're they just, like, open. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, that's a person I can. Yeah, exactly. I can unload some of my bullshit <laughs> right. on there. Right. A, there's a person mm. I could I, there's a person that I know will be willing to catch yeah. what I'm throwing. You yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I I've with my experience as therapist, you know, we've talked about this a little because there's our there's such a strict code of ethics, yeah, in which I obviously mostly agree with, but I think a lot of that code of ethics unreasonably makes it that like we have to be in this one room and you have to sit yeah, in this chair. i the expert, and, I and, I, and I and it creates that power dynamic yeah. instead of actually letting. You know, because there's like ethics about like how much a therapist can share yeah. about themselves yeah, yeah. or should share, and I'm always uh, and you, uh, you said you similar where those moments where I lean in more once a therapist says like oh I had that problem I had a similar <laughs> problem like that with my husband I'm like right. okay like what Let what did know. you guys do yeah like how'd that work out you yeah, know and yeah. like um,
2: yeah because
1: at a point it it just feels like robotic and impersonal and and
2: right. Like, Right, I think I can
1: read psychology books out my wazoo and (laughs) and learn all that all that stuff like strategies and stuff I can find that what I need is like the human experience and the human interaction and that
2: that is so important I I do try to do that like it's hard especially in training like they really they really you know do not encourage like self self disclosure is what it's called Yeah, Yeah. yeah but I mean but also like I've had supervisors that encourage you to use it well like to use it intentionally when you feel like it will help the person and so i do that and even just apart from being like here's a you know yes i have that problem too let me tell you about it you can i mean you can still be a normal human person and just meet and be like yeah this is really therapy is really weird like i'm uncomfortable too you know
1: so self-disclosure about feelings
2: right and in the moment especially yeah like like that that i try to do a lot of like like, I, I really try to do a lot of like processing with the person what's happening between us right now. Like, how yeah. is that parallel to things in your life? And, like, yeah, and then and here's how I feel. How do you feel about that? And yeah. like, that can be really powerful, I yeah. think.
1: Yeah. Do you see that? Do you see when you're working with children, do you ever think of it as you're also kind of giving them the tools to be able to be in therapy when they're older?
2: I have thought of that before a little bit. Because I've yeah. been in
1: therapy since I was eight,
2: okay. off and on. Wow.
1: And I feel like, I, just, I don't know if I ever would have done it in my 20s. Like, mm. I I quit going, I think, when I was like 12. And then in my, when I was about 19, when I was a freshman in college, mm. I started going back. Yeah. Because I was at a university, and they were like, someone said, oh, you can go to the mental health center. Mm-hmm. So I went. And, yeah. Uh, but I don't think I would have done that because I, I knew the... I knew the lay of the land. Right, I it knew, was like, familiar. It to wasn't you. as scary, and like mm-hmm. it was teaching me how. Yeah, to, uh, that's, re- that's how to really that's really great to
2: hear. It's yeah, teaching
1: me how to share. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I have
2: thought about that sometimes because there's some of my child clients that like their their, their trauma histories and their environments are so overwhelmingly difficult for them yeah that it's you know I I know that like in working with them for a few months on you know telehealth I I sometimes doubt how much I can really do for them yeah so it's yeah I do think about but that the sometimes the space like, exactly. you gave them yeah
1: because if they're like you know I do focus if, on that if, yeah. if they're having a hard time at home that might be the only quiet the right. only time that someone's time. not yelling at them. Yeah. Or it might be the only time that, that someone's asking how their day sure. yeah. is going. Um, I think
2: that's true. Yeah, I mean, even even if, like, my interventions don't have, like, amazing results or something, at least, yeah, yeah I've created a space where they feel like they're cared about and I'm interested yeah. in them. And...
1: Versus likely your adult clients have a little more autonomy about who they're around and, yeah. who, and how people treat them. And, uh, of course, they don't always act on that right but, um so do you yeah but it's probably night and day right working with kids versus working with adults
2: it feels like it almost feels like a totally different thing like <laughs> yeah. i feel like i almost feel like the training i've had so far was for me seeing adults and yeah. then and then i need to do some other kind of program for a year and a half
1: or yeah. two years <laughs> yeah, to yeah. train
2: me to work with kids that's yeah. kind of how i feel it feels like yeah. a totally different and
1: because of covid thing. and because of the Online stuff. You've kind of been thrown into it too, right? Yeah, because yeah, like, this wasn't the plan.
2: Right, I wasn't yeah. planning to work with kids. I was planning to do my internship at like an 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 an, 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 an inpatient, inpatient mental uh, health facility. Yeah. yeah so.
1: Um, when I was hospitalized last year um, for a week, uh, I had the therapist was really great because she was because the uh, psychiatrist was really kind of bad. Yeah. He was he was good at I think he was good at like. Meds, he knew, like, combos, and, like, they worked,
2: But not
1: people. No, he didn't know how to talk to me, and, like... seems
2: really common. I hate to generalize uh, like that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So, it was nice, though. Their offices were across from each other. Mm -hmm. So, I would go see him, and he would tell me about the medicine he was putting me on. And I'd go to her, and we would talk Mm -hmm. about the medicine, and Mm -hmm. about my... Like, I'm worried about it sucking my creativity I'm worried about. You know? um, And, and obviously all the other things. And so... Mm -hmm. It is funny how that's there's like a devil and angel kind of vibe with yeah where uh yeah it's like psychiatrist is just so interesting. I've thought it because I'm so interested in the brain and all that. Mm-hmm. I've thought about going back to med school yeah and being a psychiatrist. Well, but amazing. I don't want to be that right. kind of, like <laughs> Well, you do wouldn't we all, be. But maybe they have to be. No I don't, no
2: they like, don't. I actually so I've I've seen psychiatrists also sure. and um. I've seen several, and most of the ones I've seen are kind of like that. Like, they seem like they know their medications, but yeah. they don't seem like they got into it to connect with people or figure out what was going on and help them in that sense. Yeah. And I, but I had one, the first psychiatrist I ever had when I was like 23 or something. Yeah. She was like a therapist who also prescribed yeah. meds. Yeah. Like, that I had was one, her vibe. I
1: had one that was, was a, amazing. A therapist that was also a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah was, so,
2: I mean, like, yeah. It's possible.
1: Well, yeah. I'm getting a little old. But, um, uh, it's yeah. It's never
2: too late, Tyler.
1: It's, it's true. It's never too late. That's true. Um, yeah, so, you know, we, uh, we, we, if, do you mind me disclosing some of your mental health things?
2: Yeah, that's okay.
1: Okay, so we've talked about, uh, you know, anxiety mm-hmm. and depression. Yep. So, what have your, but we, you differentiated your depression from, was it right that we talked about? It was, it's different than kind of like what a lot of us assume when we hear the word depression. Or was that anxiety? Yeah. No, After I think you, that yeah. was
2: depression that yeah, I was talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. I was just saying that, um, like the type that I have is sort of like a, where I have like a chronic low level of depression yes, as opposed to like, a low hum like, yeah, like, like as opposed stuff. to like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I don't get um, sort of like major depressive episodes. Yes, I've never been suicidal. Um, I do. It does get worse sure. sometimes, but it's it's more it's yeah. And, and they're there it's a you know there's it's an official type, but yeah. It's, sure. It's like a chronic low level is the type I have.
1: Yeah, and so that which I want to we're going to talk about your chronic illness as well, and so. Th- the kind of everydayness of that has got to be taxing.
2: Yeah, it's no fun. I, I'm um, not. I'm not a fan of it. <laughs> and
1: it has got to be just, yeah. Because there's one thing when it's just like, where like mine comes on like, like a like hit by a truck. Yeah. But but I I just spent like two months just like having a ball. You know, like <laughs> and not feeling anything. Not yeah. feeling any of it. And, yeah.
2: What's that like? Um,
1: <laughs> Uh, it's it's scary when it's when it can yeah. just jump on you like yeah, that. Yeah, um, sure. In that when it goes zero to six zero to sixty like that. Yeah. Um, but but I like that nag. You know, like just that nag. No one likes like ha- having like a sore back where like my yeah. back's always sore or That's like very much what or it's like. it's like that right where it's like yeah like this it's always always a thing there kind of
2: pushing on you or it's always
1: yeah. pushing. What have been some things that have you found helpful with that to ease that every day, the the mundanity of that?
2: Yeah. Um, well, I do take antidepressants. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like they make a dramatic difference. Yeah. But I do feel like they help a little. Yeah. Um, I... I've started um, exercising regularly yep. in the last, like, few months. That has made a huge difference. You're in a yoga. Me. I am. It's really, I don't like to talk about it because I don't like to turn into a yoga person. You're
1: truly a, you're, you're. you're now truly, like... Your hippie roots are really starting to. Oh
2: God! You know? Yeah, my mom would be very happy. She <laughs> would. I actually didn't tell her for a while because I knew she'd be so happy, and I didn't want to give her the satisfaction. <laughs> then I did. T- well, I was feeling sweet, and I did tell her, and she was so That's thrilled. That's awesome. But yeah, so yoga so exercise, has really. exercise, yeah. medication. Um. Yeah, and.
0: Um,
2: Really, it's sort of, I mean, this this feels obnoxious, but like going back to the self-care stuff, like intentionally making time for like creative things or like relaxing hobbies, um, you know, collaging, knitting, like writing poetry, um, you know, making sure I'm reaching out to friends because that's a big thing that happens with depression in general and for me he specifically. Turns inward. Yeah, whenever yeah. it gets worse, I feel really lonely and I want people more, but I'm I have a harder time you with know, it. So I isolate yeah. and ignore people. Yeah. So like making sure I'm regularly reaching out to try to counteract sure. that.
1: Yeah, so it's like um, the medication aspect is really important. All like with I think with most mental health because It's embarrassing to have to say you take medication (laughs) and a lot of, you know, there's a problem in, you know, this in the bipolar community where when people start feeling good, they stop taking their meds. Yeah, of course. And it's like, well, no, like, it's not like an end all, like, okay, now you're, now you're you're good. You're fixed, like, um, so that, so, but all three of those kind of areas are like, they're the everyday counterpart to the everyday depression or in my case, like the everyday risk Hmm. of it popping up flaring up um and then the the thing about you've mentioned about just the change because you feel better when your physical body Mm -hmm. or like i've lost some weight and like i'm in better shape than Mm -hmm. i've been in in a couple years Mm -hmm. and when you feel better yeah physically it makes things it's all connected we have this weird this is another thing that's weird in our society Mm -hmm. where we we think that our uh, our moods and our emotions and our and our thinking patterns are disconnected from our body. Are right. separate. Right, right. They're not. So separate. <laughs> Again. All right. Well, we had a little bit of an interruption with Jenny. Indeed. Bug the dog freaking out. But so we were talking about some of your mental health struggles and how you've coped with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the anxiety one too is a. I'm sure there's similar components of in terms of dealing with it. But. Uh, but is it also kind of that everyday kind of hum there, or is it, does it manifest itself in a different ways?
2: So um, I've, so the, so I have a generalized anxiety disorder, yeah, which is, um, which is like a, you know, a legit disorder, but it's also kind of like the catch-all way of saying that someone has anxiety.
1: Yeah. Um, it's it a spectrum within that, yeah. one disorder yeah like the way how much it manifests and yeah i
2: just mean there's not a lot of different like anxiety disorders sure sure. like that you can be diagnosed with um unless you it's like a specific issue um but yeah for me i my anxiety has gotten a lot worse in the last like year so that's been kind of interesting before it was more like a low hum like kind of similar to the depression and They just sort of like intermingled for me, and I they felt like one creature, and I would just kind of cope with them similarly. And now, um, the anxiety is a lot worse, and so so I notice it more, and um, and I have to find new ways of coping with it. So, more kind of like cognitive reframing type of thing, like self talk, which is like the stuff
1: the nerdy stuff we always talk about, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I wrote down a couple, like we always talk about like repositioning your default setting that like, mm-hmm. it's not you against the world and it's not you. Yeah. That, that person's not in your way and that person's not judging. Right. Like, rethi- right. like, right. like uh,
2: observing the like sort of dysfunctional or unhelpful thoughts that you have yeah, and trying yeah. to counteract them.
1: Yeah. Or widening expectations. Like, mm-hmm. okay, things didn't go exactly how we planned today, but we, we can find something else that fits in the, yeah. if we widen our expectations of yeah. what's possible and what's, enjoyable yeah exactly. and then if you do that then it gives you less of a that yeah hum. like
2: a kind of a that, gesture yeah and also I mean also like like you know parts of the yoga are really helpful like like breathing, breathing and mindfulness yeah. like I mean that's really I, I do that daily and that's really yeah. helpful
1: too yeah or something we were doing when we've been exploring St. Louis is like when we we were leaving the arch right was that today yeah when we were leaving the arch and you know i said like let's take a second mm-hmm. to like uh, transition we're transitioning mm-hmm. back to the car back to yeah traffic so like let's take a breath as we move from this part to this part and even yeah. just those little like 5 second right activities can reset the brain and can yeah Um, Like,
2: I had to, like, wait in line today for a while. Yes. Like, whenever I'm in a situation like that, like, my sort of default is, like, get kind of annoyed, be bored, want to look at my phone, like, you know, be sick of it.
1: What are these people doing to me?
2: Right. Right. So I try to use those moments to, like, do some breathing or, like, focus on the, like, textures or objects around me, like, you know, mindfulness. Yeah,
1: that's really great. Um, I wonder... Do you see a correlation where, like, you said how they're kind of, inter, at times are intermingled, the depression and the anxiety. Do you see, can you, do you oft do you see, like, when depression goes, your depression gets worse, does anxiety also usually get worse? Are they connected in that way? Or, like, yeah. if anxiety, do you, because, because as I was, I was trying to figure out my anxiety, because I have just like, because I, like, 95% of the time is like, Nothing can like I'm just on it, right? Yeah. But around mood episodes, I'm very anxious, mm, and that makes sense. And so there's, I was reading about how there's, ang- you can like a dual diagnosis of like bipolar disorder with anxiety disorder. Yeah. But that's only if the anxiety or the anxiety disorder is having symptoms without right the bipolar symptoms, right? Right. right. Uh, of course you know this. And, um, mm-hmm. and, but mine is only related to, so my, mine is thus anxiety is a symptom of bipolar. my bipolar disorder. Yeah, that makes um, sense. Because it, and mostly it's in, it's real, like, I'm scared I'm going to have a mood episode because yeah. I'm starting to feel symptoms or I'm embarrassed that I had one. Yeah. And Ooh. so I have anxiety around that. Yeah. 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 That totally
0: makes sense.
1: Um <laughs> Right. Stop Stop and yeah and so
2: so you're asking if one goes up when? The yeah other goes up? if
1: one goes up when the other goes up and how that kind of works
2: so for me they i i tend to i mean they're they're always i feel like they're always both there to some degree i'm almost never free of them both yeah <laughs> but but I, there are times when like Like, one dominates. Like, I'll be in more of a depressive state for a while. But you don't
1: see that they're, like, hooked to each other in
2: any... No, not really. Like, it's, yeah, it's more, I'll be in, like, more of a depressive state or then, like, I'll be in, like, I'll be anxious for, like, more anxious for a while. It's, like, the other one never totally goes away, but... Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, we've talked about how Mm -hmm. it has some parallels to bipolar. Where this anxiety fluctuates into depression, right?
0: Mm, or yeah. like mania. I mean, they feed each other,
1: well for me, right? Really. Mania feeds into depression. Yeah. And that and so, um, yeah, and so I think that's a really interesting way to the way that life is just it's like trying to balance you. Yeah. And then it like overcorrects.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Totally your
1: brain's like, like, I I know what to do. Right. I can I can do this. Right. Like oh you're you're too hyped, like you're too hyped up. I want right, to let me, bring you down and just yeah. like throws you to the ground. And you're like, okay, that was a little <laughs> overcorrection. Right. Like, um,
0: yeah, it is like that.
1: But yeah, yeah. so I feel that. Uh, well, then tied in with that mm-hmm. is also the hum and sometimes loud hum of your chronic illness. So yeah. can you explain? Because it's almost like it almost has the same acronym as COVID. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, which is a weird, friendly, yeah, yeah. confusing thing. Yeah, um, I have a what's called a primary immune deficiency and the specific type i have is common variable immune deficiency cvid okay um yeah and so it means that like my um, parts of my immune system don't function correctly. Like I don't make, like we all make antibodies, which are kind of like little soldiers that fight off um, in, yep. infections. Yep. When germs are
1: introduced, they come in yeah. and, in some way. and Germs
2: and viruses and other things like that. Yeah. yeah. So I don't have like a full army. I have like just a few guys. And so they're, they're always like working overtime. time. They're trying. Yeah. They're they try really hard. But like, so that's, I, I like to think of that for sometimes when I, when I get frustrated or just to try to explain that, like, exhaustion is a symptom of just, like, being really tired, not having a lot of energy is a symptom of the immune deficiency. And I was confused about that at first. Like, why should I? But that's what...
1: Because your body's working extra. Right,
2: because it's working really hard because it doesn't have enough, like, soldiers yeah. to, to do yeah. the work. Um, yeah,
1: or it's like trying to build... A house, if all you have is a hammer and a hacksaw, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. If you don't have power tools, it's right. like really hard right. to build. Uh, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, I think an important part of this story for me that that I take inspiration with is that it was a long time, a long journey to the diagnosis, to kind of land yeah. on the proper diagnosis and the proper mm-hmm. uh, medication and ways to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so. Because for a while they had you misdiagnosed with...
2: With fibromyalgia.
1: Fibromyalgia. Yeah. uh, What... Yeah, so how is that... Because I had a similar with my mental health where I was misdiagnosed for three years with dissociative identity disorder, mobile personality disorder, Um, and it's funny how that misdiagnosis, for me at least, was both a relief, like it was... I was just happy to be diagnosed at all and to have strategies and tools to start dealing with my right. symptoms and my problems, but then it also set me back some. Yeah. Because, yeah. And, um, Absolutely. So how has your journey towards this diagnosis been? Yeah, I mean, been?
2: very similar. I mean, yeah. at least discovering <laughs> it was very similar to what you described. Like, it was really, um, it was exciting in a way to, like, have, dis- I mean, when I was diagnosed to, like, for them to have discovered like something legitimate that was wrong with me because fi- yeah. fibromyalgia is not a super accepted. Um, so, is,
1: so DID, I DID right. is the same way. Yeah, not exactly. super accepted. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, and there's not, you know, there's not like a, it's not fully understood. There's not a cure. There's no yeah. real like treatment. Yeah. So, I mean, I, so yeah, I thought I had that for like, um, 10 years, maybe a little longer. Yeah. At like 10 to 12 years. Um, and, you know, I tried lots of different things, saw lots of different specialists, tried lots of different medications, um, never really, nothing ever really nothing helped. Cooked, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it was nice to, to be like, for them to be like, this isn't, you know, we did these blood tests and these other tests, and this is a legitimate thing that's wrong with your body, and here's a legitimate, like, treatment for it. Yeah. So that was exciting. But it was also similar to how you describe it was like, I, I became really depressed for like the year afterwards. It was hard to kind of, I felt like I had to rethink my whole, not just my life going forward, but like what my life had been like, yeah. you know, yeah. all this time I thought this one thing was my, you know, part of my identity yeah. and the reasons I was doing and not doing things. And now it was totally. this other thing. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, is this really helpful to, to me to even know this? Like, yeah. you know, was I in a way better off not knowing? Like yeah. all kinds of thoughts like that.
1: Well, but I think this sort of story is important because, because I think a lot of people feel like they're just gonna walk into a doctor's office, they're gonna tell them what's wrong, or walk into a therapist's office, they're gonna tell them what's wrong, and then they're gonna take the right medication and do the right things and be fixed. Mm. And it's like diagnosis take some cycles. Yeah. Medication takes some cycles to find the right ones. Right. And they might change down the road. Like I right. know, like I'm <laughs> on a pretty good cocktail right now mm-hmm. that feels good mm-hmm. and is working well yeah. but I also know that yeah that my body will change mm-hmm. and thus my needs for certain medications will change
2: yeah
1: um and
2: yeah
0: so so things.
1: I think it's a good reminder of like you know we always want these like we want these products we want these like yeah but it's like it's Where's a process the thing I can
2: take to fix it but
1: it's a process yeah um,
2: yeah, it is
1: for sure. um Yeah, and then it has also related. All this talk is related to what is you know, it's kind of, you know we kind of talk like self care. It's become a like catchphrase, but invisible illnesses. Oh yeah, this idea of all these things are like, well, That's you you thing. look healthy, right? You look you know, like, <laughs> yeah, you're, like, you're too
2: young to be sick. You're just
1: young and skinny. I've like, heard that so many like, times. How are I sick, can't tell you, you know, yeah. Like, um, or you're well put. You're right. a nice you look guy. Fine. You're well, you seem- you're nice. You're I can't. You know, I'm yeah. like it's like well, yeah, I am nice. Right. But like, There's other sick.
0: shit going on. Yeah. Um,
1: and so it is. These conversations I feel like are important because I feel like people often think that they're yeah there it's some sort of like thing to prove, mm. like but it's not really the proof is in the, like, the experience. Like, so it's not, yeah, you you just do the work, to, like, the best you know how. When, you know, when I thought I had DID, I was doing my best. Right, to, trying to, to figure take care that, of that out. And, yeah. and then, oh, well, that wasn't it. So, and then I might find out, and... 10 years that sure. whatever I had a brain tumor the whole time and like right okay well
2: it's true yeah. well I was still
1: working on it so at least I was trying you <laughs> yeah, know like no
2: that's a really good point yeah like even when you find you feel like okay now here's the answer it's yeah. like that's it's still not the answer the point is to like do your best with these other things and trying to take care of yourself and
1: I, I think that's true yeah yeah that's a really good point um and you do a great job like getting to know you and I'm learning that like you do a good job of taking like Trying to go to bed at good times, you know. Careful what you put in your body. Mm-hmm. All those kind of things. They um, all add up. I'm a bad influence. I will admit, I've been a bad influence. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <True> <laughs> yeah, you story. can say it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, because I also have this feeling of like we also need to experience life a little. I'm, so, like, well, I know. that's
2: good for me. Wait, yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: No, no, no. So, yeah. but I admit I'm a bad influence because I, I wanted to talk too about uh, COVID and the vaccination and all mm. that because,
0: okay. you know, like
1: we went out to dinner. Yesterday, and that was the first time you'd been to a restaurant. Yeah. Since COVID started, because you have a low <laughs> right. immune system. Right, like, I'm you know,
2: in, I mean, I'm high risk. You're yeah. high risk.
1: Yeah. And it's a better way to put it. And, um, yeah, and so those... So how is that all... It's like the... This year was an awful time to have, like, mental illness or, like, something like... <laughs> an in, Any invisible illness is an awful time, because you're just, like, yeah. living with it. Like, yeah. Um alone and you're it's like right. separating you from the things that make
2: right that make it like possible yeah <laughs> to get to, through yeah to
1: get to get through and um
2: yeah, you know I was like even really
1: you funny. said you were standing in line today and I was like even nervous for you then I was just like there's just people standing too close to her you know <laughs> like um yeah. Thank so you, sweet. <laughs> have you but you seem to be like Keeping it together, you're not, like, too freaked out. How, how have you been feeling about that, <laughs> um, like...
2: You mean, like, being more, like, Do you exposed, just see people as like, walking being, germs? I mean, yeah, Because like, I think
1: if I was in your situation, I think that's probably how yeah. I would feel. Like, get the fuck away from right. me. Right, well, like, well, so, <laughs> honestly,
2: like, just, like, getting the immune deficiency diagnosis, like, sort of... And learning more about it and learning about what my, like, vulnerabilities were trained me to think of people like... Like, the lot, a lot of the COVID-related stuff, you know, like... When you come home, like wash your hands, like use hand sanitizer, yeah. like don't stand too close to people. That was but stuff no I was, one doing was doing already. That.
1: Yeah, you were doing that. But I, no yeah, one that else was my was. life yeah. already. Yeah, like, yeah.
2: A lot of people with like, I'm I'm healthier than most people with my um, immune deficiency, and a lot of them wear masks all the time in public yeah. before COVID, before this was a thing. You know, yeah. um, wouldn't travel stuff like that. So so yeah it's i i have i you know definitely got worse like with the pandemic that that way of me viewing things and feeling like i had to protect myself and um i have definitely been a lot more like isolated and and careful than other people um but but i have loosened that recently as you referenced
1: yes um
2: i feel like balance is important like i feel like my mental health is affected by being so isolated, and so I've yeah. had to take that into consideration.
1: Especially as, and I know the numbers aren't great, but like, pe- more people are diagnosed. Hopefully, people are wearing that. Like,
2: yeah, it's at this shifting.
1: point, people should be wearing their fucking masks. And if you're listening to this, wear your mask still. <laughs> Please. Well, maybe just forever. Just do it. It's not that hard. And no, it's not. It's, it's not. not uh, I understand. Yes, there's I don't always like that, doing it either. There's always that one person like. My mom has trouble. Okay, well, your mom doesn't, right, shirt, you doesn't have to wear a mask. Right, like, if you can't breathe, you don't wear the mask. But you, dude, that wears a hunting mask and sits in the woods when it's eight degrees, you can wear a little piece of cloth when you walk into the gas station. Right. Like you can do that, yeah. and it's not that. Like we're we're working together here. <laughs> yeah. But so, so I wonder, uh, with like the vaccine, both mm-hmm. other people like more and more of the people you're going to be around or yeah. run into are going to have had the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you are also, like, getting your second shot soon. Yeah. Um, how – is that changing your mindset at all, or is that giving you any hope, or is that what is, Where are you at um, on that?
2: It is, yeah. I – like, in a way, I feel like it shouldn't be giving me as much – like, changing my mindset as much based on what my, like, immunologist says and, like, other – I don't know. I'm in like some Facebook support groups for like people with immune deficiencies. And like, I have, I honestly have like not been able to look at those for the last few months because people are just freaking out. People just freak out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so I sort of, I sort of feel like maybe I'm too like hopeful or, but, um, but I am feeling like I could start to, like, do things. Yeah. You know, yes, I'll still wear a mask, but, like, I could start to be out in the world and, like, live more of a normal life. And that is, is very exciting to It think is very about. exciting. Yeah.
1: And it, it's it's so funny because, like, well, I was just thinking about what you were saying about you were already living life like that before, yeah. like, being more. And then the rest of us were, like, blindsided with it, mm-hmm. like, now you have to wear a mask, now you have to start doing this, like, you should be doing these things. Um, and so, but then, so in some ways that's good because you were like prepared for it, but sure. also you're also like stuck in it. You, like for long, like we've been yeah. doing with a year, you've been dealing with it for four years. Right, you know? right. like yeah. Like, and like,
2: like, you know, if, if we get to some point where like, we're not having to do like years from now, or I don't know, maybe months from now where like people aren't as worried about this or whatever, like I will still have to worry about just getting sick in general from yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. And that's you mentioned...
1: Too like, they're not sure how you'll take. Yeah. 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 Like how the vaccine will take to you because of the low soldier, the low soldier. Yeah, Yeah. exactly.
2: Like the whole thing about my immune system is that it doesn't respond to invaders. So like I don't respond to some vaccines. That's part of how they diagnose you. So I, they don't know for sure. Like if I, I don't know for sure if I will, if the COVID vaccine will actually be like fully effective
1: for me. Yeah. (laughs) Um, which is
2: why it's extra important for like people I'm around to get it to get it yeah everyone else who's able to yeah please get it
1: yes (laughs) yes absolutely um well that yeah so that kind of covers like our histories that kind of brought us together Mm -hmm. as pals and as whatever and um and brought our interests together but then I kind of think of like the next chat chapter and the thing that like is propelling this forward, this correspondence and whatnot, uh, is poetry, mm. and uh, yeah, and I I, I I think I lied to someone and said, oh yeah, it's she's I met her on Instagram because she's a fan of my work, and that actually wasn't the case in like in the in the in the literal meaning of like it wasn't like you were like. A fan but, of my work, and then... But then...
2: That is true, though. Like, I mean, I... Like I said, I don't remember how I found you. You're a fan I of my persona. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I started reading, like, your blog posts. Sure, sure. and like That is true. Some of the work that, that you shared there, and, like, that was... What like and I saw how many things we had in common, and like you mentioned, being interested in counseling, and yeah. just the way that you like share and present yourself in your blog post was very compelling to me, and I wanted to know you better. Absolutely. So I I was a fan of your well, work. Well, thank
1: you. Mm-hmm. Um, I you you studied with you got the you got the chance to know and study with a poet Frank Bedard, When you were at Wesley? Mm -hmm. Wellesley. Wellesley? Yeah. What did I say? Wesley.
2: Wesley. Wellesley. Easy mistake.
1: Easy mistake. Wellesley. Mm -hmm. Um, And.
2: Briefly, yeah.
1: Briefly. So did you take a workshop with him? Yeah,
2: I took a workshop with him. I wanted to do an independent study with him the next semester, but he was all full, so I did it with like another English professor. Yeah. And,
1: uh, you know, I've gotten to work with a few like pretty rock star poets and Bedart is certainly was a rock star poet
0: yeah
1: um and what did you notice about him that's like maybe separates him from like other professors you had had or other writers you've known there's just a way you can tell certain people who just who, who are like lifers Mm-hmm. Like he at this point he was yeah. pretty he was older
2: yeah he was and
1: he so he'd been publishing two thousand one two 2001. so he was yeah 50, 60s at that point older, probably yeah. even older than yeah. that yeah uh, and yeah and so he's got you know dozens of books under his belt been teaching for yeah. years the dude knows what he's doing and he's yeah. like and he's also. I'm always interested, like, <laughs> they get really in their lanes. A lot of those poets, like, yeah. this is the way poetry is. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so what What are some, like, memories of Frank that you have? So, Any, I yeah.
2: mean, sadly, I don't, like, I don't have your, like, your experiences of, like, he's, like, the only really, like, big-time writer person that I came into close contact yeah. with. So I don't have anyone to, like, compare him to, you well, know? Well, that's what but... I'm saying,
1: but I mean, like... Compared to like, even like just use me like, but or like a regular professor or like
2: yeah, he you know so kind of like like he was very like felt like sure of himself and like um he he was a like a bigger guy he was like tall and had like shaggy white hair um and yeah very like you know not. Not like concerned about what you thought of him, not concerned about what was going to happen, like in the interaction or in the class. Um, he, yeah, he also, I feel like he was very, like always kind of in motion. Like he was very, like.
1: There's yeah. like a frantic energy?
2: Yeah, kind of, or maybe not frantic, but like, like it was a smoother kind of energy, but yeah, yeah there was a like constant kind of energy. Um, that I I like the, the the workshop I took with him was um, like a higher level than I was like supposed to be allowed to. Sure. I, I was like a freshman, and I um, so I had to like apply I to feel like be in it. You've
1: like told story a couple stories where you were like in classes you weren't supposed to be in.
2: Yeah, that, it was a, that's thing. a thing. It of was yours. a thing for me for a while. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but he. I remember I. Um, I don't, I don't mean this to brag, although I am proud of this, but like mostly just, I feel like it's this was awesome. a cool detail that he did. Yeah. Um, so I had applied to it. So I had to, you know, send some of my poem, like give him some of my poems. And then I'm, so I'm like, wait, I'm sitting in my dorm room. And it's like, 9 p.m. or something. Yeah. Like like a like It's a weird, it's like a late time. It's like late at night. And he calls me at the, yeah, we had like, we did not have cell phones. This was like a landline yes. situation.
1: 2001. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he
2: called me in my room, <laughs> which was weird. Like that was not the protocol. Like you weren't, he wasn't going to like call me to tell me if I was accepted. It was going to be like an email, like, you know, but Yeah. he called me and told me that like my poems were like some of the best that he'd read from like Someone at my level in a long time, and he would be happy to have me in the workshop. That's so, so that nice. was like one of the best moments of yeah. my existence, yes. obviously. Um, yeah. But I, I also just thought that was cool of him. That he, And he wasn't like, he didn't like gush or anything. He was, it was clearly like he was just in his office and like picked them up and read them and was like, I'm going to call this girl. And then just like said yeah. that. I was like, I done. love that.
1: Yeah. There, there's like a, yeah, well, you mentioned like the confidence and then like this yeah. nonchalance that kind of cut, like. Yeah. The, where this is just the way, it, like, I'm going to eat lunch happening. and then I want to call this gal and tell her about her poems, right? right. It's not, but for you, it's huge, yeah. you know, like, it's like, I will
2: remember that always. I yeah. have so <laughs>
1: many, I have uh, several of those memories of just people, uh, my, my big one was the Mary Rufo one at the mm. reading. Have I told you that story? No. Um, she, w- I saw her read at Butler in Indianapolis and, you know, she's one of my favorite poets and. So I started talking and I'd been tinkering with uh, erasures mm. and she had published a book of erasures, yeah. but she also has done like a bunch of like, she does like old Victorian novels and old novels and she oh, erases okay. in the actual old text. Mm. And I mentioned about how I read some interview with her about that. And mm-hmm. I was interested in that. Like, and I was like, is there any way to see those? And she goes, you look trustworthy. And I was like, not really, <laughs> but yeah. Okay. And she goes... Um, I've got one with me.
2: Oh my god.
1: And she hands me a pair of rubber gloves and hands and has like a little ziploc baggie with this wow. book in it that she's like half erased. Oh my and, God. And and sits me on a bench next to the signing table and says, sit oh here god. until I'm done signing. And so then I just ah, sat there and looked at it.
0: That's incredible. Um,
1: and it was one of those moments where it's just like that way, she was just like, Oh, some kid's interested in my work, whatever. Show but then I'm just like, Yeah You know like you know <laughs> yeah. like uh and so that's yeah, a good reminder that. Of that like yeah, for you know, for folks it's just like there's always someone who's like super stoked about something and like and feeding that is just like is really important. To, yeah. And yeah. So Yeah, exactly. Um Yeah, but, like
2: I I remembered that moment with him, like when I thought like I shouldn't be writing or like yeah, you know.
1: That's a beautiful yeah thing to think about. Um yeah. And then you recently shared some work with me.
0: I did. You shared
1: work and we're sharing and now you said you're gonna start reading my new manuscript and then I am. So we're uh, yeah. And some of the things. so I'm gonna gush on you for a sec. Oh no. Um, about your work. Um, I have a lot of admiration people get caught so caught up in intent. I know I, I gripe about this all the time, about intent and what is it gonna look like, and what's it gonna do, and where am I gonna send it, and how's it gonna, will this ever get published, mm-hmm. before they even write the damn thing. Mm. And there was a urgency to your writing, like this had to be written for the sake of being written. Yeah. That felt really amazing. Mm-hmm. And your work um, also shows the kind of creative power of the journal. Yeah. And I think no, no one keeps a diary anymore, yeah. sadly. Um, mm-hmm. Some people keep journals, but I think that that those are spaces that are like really safe places to play and to not have an intent and not that yeah. maybe no one's gonna see this and that's right. okay, because um, yeah, we're so focused on
0: yeah. like
1: what does this mean or where does this go or you mm-hmm. know like mm-hmm. how does this fit in with my work and mm-hmm. like the storyline like yeah. David Berman called it the storyline fever right like it's your the. Mm-hmm it's this like illness of like the sickness of like how does this fit like you, like how do you write you just got to write a poem you can't right right you like know, the I've, narrative of I've me jok- and like i've yeah I, i've told you about how like someone asked me like i i want to write more songs okay. can you give me some tips on writing more and i said um write more then mm-hmm. oh yeah and read and read a lot too you know like mm-hmm. the, but that's it you write yeah, and you just read do like it. That, you just um and so i admire the fact that you you do that Thank at you. all. Thank you. Um, Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, and but you you haven't shared work with people in a while. Right. Um, That's very true. You, it's lo- uh, a while since your days of sharing with Frank Bedart. Yeah. Um, and so what... Yeah, I just want to kind of talk about that experience of... Because mm-hmm. I'm so... Unapologetically sharing. Like, I'll just, yeah. like, you, like, if a guy at McDonald's asked me about my work, I'll pull it up my, right. and show it to him. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, there's, yeah, the, I've widened yeah. my standards. Yeah. Um, But, but I get, I get that that can be nerve wracking. So, um... what, yeah, how, how, how did that, how does that process go for you And I'm like, send me some of your work? Which I didn't say casually, just like, yeah. send me work. And, yeah, I, and and I you're mean, like, ah. <laughs> right.
2: I mean, I love that. That's your attitude. I. Um,
1: well, it's the only way I know how to be.
2: Yeah, I. Yeah, for me, it's a, it's a, it's not like that. I would like to be a lot more like that. Um, yeah, I, I, think it's partly like I just I got out of the habit of it. Like you know, when I was younger, when I was. Um, like when I was taking that poetry workshop or whatever, it was more of like a focus of my life and something I love doing. And so I would still be nervous about sharing with people because it felt like um, showing them like some secret, true inner part of yeah. me or something. Like I'm handing some very vulnerable, like yeah. piece of me to them. And if they don't respond well or they don't like it, it always felt like a very personal rejection. Yeah. And I was young too, you know, I was like of early course. 20s. Um But, but then, yeah, I stopped, you know, I stopped doing that. I stopped going to school. So, yes. um, And I, I didn't write a lot, like while I was sick, um, sicker. Um, So I just, I got out of the habit of writing. I got out of the habit of, um, and just like, I think being, um, being like having chronic illness for so many years and not being able to be in school and have a job really like um, messed with my sense of self worth and confidence. Okay. And so that impacted like my ability to overcome that little like ego issue yep. with, with showing people work.
1: Yeah. So, and even uh, just making the work. Yeah. Making yeah. it at all, which, yeah. which
2: takes a little bit of like getting over yourself. Yep. Um, so yeah, but I've been getting back into that in the last year through what sort
1: of journaling. Yeah. What journaling, to. what else has helped you get back into it? You're an avid reader too. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, for sure. Are there
1: certain things that you remember reading that kind of have been like, oh, I should I should try it. You know like yeah. some some writing is like entertaining.
0: Mm-hmm. Some
1: writing is insightful and then I and then there's some writing that's like inspiring. Yeah. You know, um and I think that that's the work that I'm most interested in is the work mm-hmm. that makes me want to like I have trouble getting through a poem, like I had this with like Ross gay's poems where I have trouble getting through some of his work because I you like halfway him, right? through the poem I'm like oh I got a good yes, idea for a poem well, that happens I got to a me good too. energy yeah. so I'm just curious of if there's anything that sticks out to you
2: um well I I mean similar to the other stuff I got out of the habit of I mean've I've always I, I've always been reading especially like novels but um I got out of the habit of reading poetry um, yeah regularly yeah so that's something I get, which is, like, tragic. Like, how sad that I let that lapse in my life.
1: Well, yeah, um, but you're not alone in that.
2: That's awful. There's
1: plenty of people <laughs> who <laughs> let poetry. Sad against... we say.
2: Um, but, yeah, so I've gotten back into that. And just, like, just all, I mean, all of that that I was reading really, like, fueled that desire to get back into it.
1: Yeah. Um. Oh. I had a really good thing I was going to say. I hate when this oh, happens. No. Uh uh i don't know oh you you smiled at me when you said the novel thing because uh i am uh half jokingly anti-novel uh i just we're gonna work on that I'm, (laughs) i'm sure and there are some novelists you know i have friends who are novelists i uh yeah i i respect the work, it like it's work.
2: Right, it's a lot of writing. It's
1: a lot of writing.
2: That's what you. That's what you can say about mm. novels. I love that it shows so much how like not into novels you are that you're like it's a lot of writing. There's a lot of words. That's I'll great.
1: never forget, uh, ra- oh. Uh, oh. one of my professors at Ball State, Pete da- or Pete Davis. Uh, he did, he did this series, this two books that were like. Uh, it was called Poets Bookshelves Mm -hmm. and he would ask like contemporary poets, like uh, to recommend like a list of books and write like a little, little essay about their list Mm -hmm. Um, recommending books for like young poets. Mm -hmm. It was great. I have, I have it. It's great. And, but, uh, Russell Edson's was hilarious. He was like, um, I, I, for the life of me, I can't recommend any books because the problem with books is that there's just too many <laughs> words, <laughs> uh, and I, I thought that that was a funny thing for a poet to say. Um, but yeah, yeah, I just I I don't. It's interesting. I don't watch. I don't really watch movies either.
2: Hmm. Very
1: rarely is do like I watch. Is it uh,
2: like like everything should be a poem? This is what I'm hearing. No, because I you.
1: love long poems.
2: Hmm. So it's not just length, or like a tension span.
1: No. Okay. It's. It's something about the artifice of it. It's something about. There's an, artificial mechanism to novels that is so. blatant blatant and. That's so interesting. Bulky.
0: Hmm.
1: And I'm talking about like. Yeah. What. Are you- Tradi- I'm just. Talk- I'm talking very broadly. Like again, okay. this is very reductive, and this is very unresearched yeah. and very. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is used to be my when I was in a writing program in an MFA program. This was my party trick. Was it's
2: a good one? Was I'm getting riled up. Ra- I don't was write. riling
1: people up about novels. Um, but but that's also probably a, a pers- bitterness from a person who writes in the least popular writing form. I understand Um, that, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Is there anything you've been reading lately that you've been interested in? One of the things I I like to do on this podcast is to recommend things. So just, do you have anything you could recommend? Um, I'll tell people about the little book you showed me today.
2: Oh, yeah, I brought a little book for you um, called About People, I think, by William Steg? Steg? Steig. S
1: T E I G. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, which is some like a weird, amazing book I found at a used bookstore once. I don't even. Strangely
1: enough, he's the guy that created Trek.
2: Yeah, which I'd forgotten. Or... But he
1: created this strange surrealist book. Yeah, yeah, it's
2: very strange. Little like sketches of people and little descriptions. Um... And they're
1: also mismatchy or like a little slanted. Like, yeah,
2: and the descriptions are like, you know, of like emotional states or like behaviors. Yeah. yeah. And there's a little like drawing to represent it.
1: But it's but they're not like straightforward drawings. No, they're very like, strange
2: and like symbolic and yeah. like metaphorical and weird. Yeah.
1: And like Yeah, I, yeah, love I feel it. like mismatched in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, that's a good one. Any what else you've been reading?
2: Um I've been I've been one, I've never read Virginia Woolf, so I've been trying okay. to get into um, To The Lighthouse. Okay. Lately. A
1: novel, right? Yeah. Yeah? It's good?
2: Um, yeah, it is, but then I got distracted. Sure. I've been, like, I've had, a, my reading habits have really changed during the pandemic with the in- increase in my anxiety. Yeah. Like, my focus is really different. Yeah. So, um, like, I was rereading Jane Austen when it started, and I had to stop yeah. doing that. Too
1: dense. Yeah, it was just too, like,
2: weird. For that headspace. The, yeah. 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 So I'm, I've just started reading a novel of um, Andre Aciman's, who wrote Call Me By Your Name. Okay. Um, and so this one I'm reading is Harvard Square. Um, I don't know if it's good yet. I just started it. But I love his writing. He's amazing. So,
1: great. Yeah. Those are great recommendations. You are also a fan, like I am, of the Poetry Is Not a Luxury Instagram account.
2: Yes, very much so.
1: daily post several poems by mostly contemporary poets.
2: I feel like that account has helped me like get back into reading yeah. poetry.
1: Well, I use it for my morning routine where every morning I'll read five poems off of it. And so usually they have, a, since the last time I looked at it, they'll have posted like two or three. Mm-hmm. And then I'll also just randomly read reread one or two. Yeah, from I love the, that you do that regularly. Uh, and I just That's do that. Great. I try to do that in the mornings as just a way to get my brain... Going because I, I think, again, back to the thing we were talking about at the beginning about language like, we're all experts in language, and language is such an interesting, exciting thing. I mean, it's literally the thing that separates us from other animals. Like, yeah, it's our thing. abilities, it's our thing, right? Yeah. And and poetry is the best example that I've ever found of using it in unique and intensified ways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, totally. to start your day in that way, you know. I was listening to an episode of... Do you ever listen... Uh, you don't really listen to this podcast, but there's a podcast called On Being, mm. and Naomi Nye was on it. I think I might have sent it yeah. to you. Yeah. And uh, Naomi was, is wonderful. I got the privilege of studying with her a little bit at UT. And she was talking about how um, she was reading at this... She also writes children's poems. And mm. so... Uh, she was reading at this elementary school and the principal was talking about how much he loves poetry and he wishes he could find ways to get it into the classroom more mm. and she said to him um, well you have an intercom don't you? Mm. and he's like yeah and he's like, she's like you do morning announcements right? and he's like yeah and she's like "We'll just throw read a, a palm poem in with every with every morning yeah. announcement and she said she went to that school a couple years later and read at that school again and, and just the, the vibe has just changed because oh, that's so there cool. was just people were talking more, mm-hmm. and people were when she read were more interested, yeah, and were that. and were had a better better vocabulary because mm-hmm. they just had a wider range range of exposure to language.
0: Yeah, it's
1: not about poetry and not poetry. It's, even the right. novel thing is not a like is when you when I dropped the joke of it like it's we're we're talking about language and like how does language. Yeah. Manifest itself and excite, and it's mm-hmm. the same way with therapy or whatever, like mm-hmm. diagnoses. It's, it's this is all language, like we're mm-hmm. like, and that is actually part of the reason why I have such a hard time functioning as a normal person is just because <laughs> of that. But, um, <laughs> distinctions and mm-hmm. impossibilities and mm-hmm. patterns, and you know, um, but enough, I'm over talking. I, I apologize. No, you're great, um,
2: don't apologize,
1: but. Yeah, and so coming up soon uh, will be National Poetry Month because this episode will come out at the end of March and then... Okay. So then it'll be National Poetry Month. Are yeah. you going to join me in I, some sort of National Poetry I Month?
2: I I would like to. I so like that So
1: I think I kind of come up with what I'm going to do. So a couple of things. Um, I'm going to try a thing... Where well, I'm gonna do my thing where I write a poem a day in this new series that I want to write, mm-hmm. um, and with more narrative type poems. Yeah. And then, I also um, have made a little. Lo- I'm working on making a little packet for my Patreon patrons mm-hmm. with a poem a day for them and like little journaling assignments if mm-hmm. they want to do them. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a fun way to yeah. engage. And then I'm still trying to figure out my my reading connection. I almost did. I started to do this last year, where I would. Um, my goal was every day to call someone and read them a poem. Mm,
2: that's amazing.
1: Uh, and call people who didn't normally read poems and just read them a poem, mm-hmm. uh, or something like that. And then, uh, within a couple of days of that, not related, I got sent to psych ward. Mm. So, so yeah.
2: So that was that
1: kind of threw sure. a wrench in that. Sure. But that always felt like a worthy project as yeah, well. Yeah. So
0: I love that. So I'm
1: inviting you. Hannah, oh, yes. to be a part of National Poetry Month with me. So yeah. what are you going to do what, to daily, this daily yeah. hum? It's the daily hum of poetry that yes. uh, that is in counterbalance to the daily hum of some of these struggles.
2: Yeah. I mean, I love the idea of writing one poem each day. I yeah. would like to join you in that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think you should do the, that William Stieg book. Where it has just mm. the descriptor and what? the picture, and then you write a yeah. poem based on that that page. That's a good idea. Um, I think that would be a really good. Okay.
2: Thank you for this idea
1: project for you. Yeah, um, I do
2: love those drawings.
1: Yeah, and you can still do them in your style. You know, in your yeah. in your journaling that that kind of style. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah. Thank you for the encouragement. I'm yeah. excited.
1: Well, we're kind of wrapping up. We've been talking for this is going to be the longest episode probably, but that's okay. <laughs> Um, it seems every episode I do, I get like a little, longer, like, longer. like, I think the first ones were like 50 minutes. Now they're pushing like 145, <laughs> but, uh, but that happens. Uh, is there anything else you like to talk about? And then we'll do a gratitude moment. Like we always do on the end of this podcast. Not that anything, I can think any, of. It's anything, been so enjoyable for to me talk anything? to you. It's been lovely talking to you, getting to know you. Um, Yeah. And thank you for being so candid about yeah, your experience. I think it's really important for people to hear that people go through this stuff and yeah, um,
2: gotta decrease come the out stigma. The other,
1: yeah, and come out on the other side and like yeah, because it can feel so hopeful when you're in, and you also when you're in it, it's hard to know how bad it is sometimes. Yeah. I, I've i experienced Yeah, that when
2: you get better only is when, when you... You're like,
1: oh, shit, that was pretty rough. Absolutely. But when you're in it, you're It's just a current. weird phenomenon. You're, it's that hum. I, I love this idea of the hum. It's yeah, just I like, do too. Like, when the hum's really loud, it's just like, you know... Right. It's just... You're just kind of stuck. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, anyways. So, let's take a moment for gratitude. Uh, what's something that you're grateful for lately?
2: Um... I am grateful for um, spring occurring. Yes, spring is happening. Today
1: was the first day of spring. The mm. day we're recording this. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, and it is it is sunnier, and it will be easier to be outside, and there are flowers and the sounds of birds and yeah. things. Yeah, I love that.
1: And easier to do something to be active. Those mm-hmm. things that exactly you need and to reach out and to be right. out. Right, I can and, be yeah. with
2: people more easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. What about you? What are you grateful for recently?
1: I've been feeling really grateful for Jenny Bug, despite yeah. her interrupting this episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we... She's six years old, and so in a lot of ways, she has uh, grown up in the, thro- in the midst of, of my illness and, and my journey with it, and and yeah. also the journey of my kind of creative career as well mm-hmm. and i just realized i've realized this weekend how just a steady uh, like grounding force she is and yeah. like a reminder to be present yeah and a reminder to communicate like yeah you have to communicate with your dog mm-hmm. like that's and it's like not always the it. same way like i can't like talk to her the way i talk to you like sure. but like so
2: like work on that relationship yeah
1: and then she's also a great way of connecting to like we were walking her today through the neighborhood around here and people like oh i like your dog and it's just right. a way to connect to the world right. and she's an in in that way and then it's also an in like seeing you interact with her like uh is a g- <laughs> like it, it's a good judge of people too where like she, Jenny's yeah. a good judge of people where when uh the way people interact with her and the way she feels comfortable with people and um yeah you can tell a lot and so uh you know f- for the last year I felt really alone but I realized I've never been alone yeah so, um, it's just that feels really special That's and beautiful. I feel really grateful for that. so
0: I love that
1: yep well thank you thank uh, you thanks it's Hannah lovely thanks for being here
2: thank you for having me
1: It's time for some gratitude. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll subscribe and share these episodes. And thank you for doing that. Thank you to our guest for being here and for the great conversation. Thank you to Landon Codwell, a.k.a. Creep- Creeping Pink, uh, for letting us use uh, your song, Free Yourself. Um as our theme song, and then also I want to thank our Patreon supporters, Enrique Lozano, Lynn Coles, Terry Tan, Morgan Jackman, and Josh Caldwell for their support of this podcast and my various endeavors. Um, yeah, and again, thank you for listening.